Grace and peace to you this morning. So glad to be here today with you, to, to welcome you. Um, lots of things going on here at our congregation. Um, you know, we got the game night coming up. That would be a great time if you have a adopt a kid. You might talk to them, see if they're coming, and maybe show up with them, play some games with them. It's 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 wonderful when we can get together like that and not just be one generation of the church, but multiple generations of the church. Uh, I got. I want to read a passage from Proverbs chapter 8 this morning, and then we're going to get to um, John chapter 1. Bobby already read something from Genesis 1. I, I know we're familiar with that text. We have another creation text in Proverbs 8, maybe one that you're not as familiar with, and so I want to begin with it. Beginning in verse 22, it says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. We're starting this new series in the Gospel of John, and one of the reasons why we're doing this is because in January... We're going to have this event here at this building, and it's not just going to be our congregation. It's going to be more than, more than us, surrounding congregations. And we're going to have youth come here, and they're going to have a Bible bowl, and they're going to have drama and arts and all these events that have to do with the Gospel of John. And we're going to have more information about this uh, coming in the next several weeks. We're going to be talking to our kids about it. And so they're going to be learning about the Gospel of John. But I hope we as adults will uh, talk to our children about this gospel and have conversations uh, with them about this. I think that will be a wonderful blessing. And so if you do have your Bible, uh, open it to John 1, John 1, and we're going to look at the first five verses this morning. You know, have you ever had a, a friend who uh, knew uh, a, me a movie or TV show so well that they were quoting it all the time. In fact, lots of times they may have been quoting this movie or TV show and you didn't even know it because they knew it a lot better than you did. It was just part of who they were. It's, it's you know, the language that they spoke. Well, something like this happens in the Bible. Now, the language of the New Testament is the Old Testament. There are biblical references all over the place. And most of the time, the, the, the biblical writers, they don't let us know that this is happening. They don't tell us what's going on. They just assume that we know the Bible well enough that we're going to catch all these references ourselves. One of the most obvious times this occurs is at the very beginning of the Gospel of John. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And we recognize this. We remember it from the book of Genesis. But it doesn't stop there. The, the, the opening of John 
goes on to mention creation and light and darkness. And so these first five verses mirror the first five verses in the book of Genesis. And you can place those two texts side by side, and there are multiple parallels between the two, not just this opening phrase. And this is no coincidence. All of this is on purpose. We are to read the Bible recognizing that it's one big story, and each part is connected to the other parts of Scripture. And creation is an essential element in the story. It's where it all begins. And what John is doing here at the beginning of of this gospel is he's taking us back to that creation story and he's revealing some details that we don't know about. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. The Word, the Logos, Jesus, as we'll learn in a few verses. He was with God in the beginning. He was with God before creation. And not only that, he is God. Well, now, how could Jesus be with God and be God. We hear in these statements echoes of the Trinity. The Father is God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, there is only one God. And how are we to make sense of this? Well, John gives us a clue. He presents these facts to us in the form of a poem. The Trinity is a mystery, it is beautiful. And it's not so much for us to understand because it is beyond us. It belongs to the ways of God that are beyond our comprehension. We are to believe it, not understand it. It is poetry. Now, if you're into mathematics or engineering or logic or any of those fields, then you might not be very thrilled to learn that the Bible contains a lot of poetry. And, uh, you know, as as we've stated in our uh, series on identity, human beings are complex. And some of us appreciate logic and reasoning and mechanics and those types of things, while others of us enjoy arts and music. And maybe you enjoy both. You know, there are people like that as well. The good news is the Bible speaks of God in multiple ways. Now, what we cannot do is ignore any of these ways. We, we cannot say, you know, I want the laws because the laws are rational and they make sense, but I don't want any of the Psalms. Nor can we say, you know, I, I just want the Psalms because they're poetic and they're moving, but I don't want any of the laws. We need both. Just as we need the poetic descriptions of God along with the more rational descriptions of God. We need to recognize that because God is beyond us, because we cannot you know, wrap our minds around all that God is, poetry is, is, is a more adequate form of description here. And so logic 
is something for us to understand completely. And poetry often pushes the limits of our understanding. This is why poetry gets closer to describing God than logic. And yet, both of them still fall short. God is God. And our minds are unable to grasp everything about him. And that's perfectly okay. In fact, it's good. It should be comforting because that's what makes him God. And we're not God. So because we have this poem here in John 1, we should understand what is written in a different way. We approach it poetically rather than logically. What do I mean? Let's take verse 4 for an example. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, one of the key words that's used in this opening section, and it will be used throughout the book of John, is the word life. How do we understand this word? Well, when we think of creation and life, we're probably thinking uh, naturally. Jesus is creator. Jesus gives life. He is the reason that we're alive today. He designed us. He makes life possible. And, and these are good and godly thoughts. But is that all that, that John has in mind here? I, I don't believe so. You see, in poetry, words can have more than one meaning. And, and the Apostle Paul tells us that when we uh, read the Bible, that, that this also happens. He says there's the letter of the law and there's the spirit of the law. We can read the Bible naturally, and we can read it spiritually. We know what life means naturally, you know. But what does it mean spiritually? Well, Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus created, and he brought forth life naturally. John's writing in a time when people were dead spiritually. There was no life in them, although they were living beings. And John is looking back to creation, but he's also looking forward. He's looking to what is about to happen. Jesus is about to bring forth life, just as he did in the beginning. He's going to do something new. He's going to bring about new creation. And this is what the Gospel of John is all about. You see, we need more than just physical life. We need spiritual life. We need living water. And Jesus is the source of the life that we need. Why is there such a lack of spiritual life in the world? Well, we get another poetic answer. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We live in a world full of darkness. And there's darkness and evil everywhere we look. The darkness is pervasive. It has infiltrated all of our lives. We are part of the problem. We cannot just point our finger and act as if we are not to blame. We are. And because of this, we need a Savior. We need some of this life that John's talking about. Now, the good news is that 
when, when we're talking about light and darkness here, we're not, we're not talking about equal powers. The cosmic battle that will play out before our eyes in this gospel is not one in which we have to worry about the outcome. Light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. From the very beginning, John's telling us that the light is more powerful than darkness, that Jesus is greater than Satan, that the ways of God, they lead to life, and the ways of Satan, they lead to death. And we know all of this. What happens in the end or what happens to us is not a mystery. The only question is, what will we choose? Will we embrace Jesus? Will we embrace his way of life? Or will we embrace something else? And although there are mysterious elements within this poem concerning the nature of God, there are also things here that are as plain as day. John wants us to know from the beginning who Jesus is. There is no hiding his identity. We're not left to wonder, you know, anything about Jesus. It is revealed in the first verse of the first chapter of the book. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's who Jesus is. Because this is poetry, it should cause us to slow down and to read it slowly. That's what you do with poetry. You don't rush through a poem. You meditate upon it. You chew on it. You let it simmer. And this is how we are meant to read this section of Scripture. We're to read it slowly. And the first thing we might want to meditate on is what John calls Jesus. He calls him the Logos. That's the Greek word. And there's really no good way of translating it into English. Uh, but we find it in words, uh, you know, we, we use this word in English, and we, we find it in words like biology and psychology and physiology and theology and, you know, all those words with, that, that have that ending. Okay, so we use it, but what does it mean? Let's, let's break it down. We'll use one word here, biology, which is nothing more than the combination of two Greek words. And so the, the Greek word bios means life. And uh, logos means all the collected thoughts, basically. That's kind of the idea behind it. And so biology means all the collected thoughts on life. It's the science of living organisms. We all had it back in high school, maybe in college. It's, it's where you study cells and all that makes living possible. Well, word here, in the beginning was the word, the logos, is not a perfect translation for logos, but it's not bad either. Think about it this way. Think, think about um, what words are. Words are an expression of who we are. We cannot be known without words. We use words to tell others all about ourselves. And so if we think of words as an expression, or we even could say a revelation of ourselves, then this gets close to the Greek idea of logos. Jesus is the full expression or the full 
revelation of God. And so as we're, we're reading the Gospel of John, as we see Jesus interacting with others, as he's teaching, as he's ministering, what we're seeing is we're seeing God. And in case we fail to grasp this, we're also invited to meditate on the eternal nature of Jesus and his role in creation. And again, some of this stretches the, the, the limits of our mental capabilities. After all, we are finite beings contemplating God who is infinite. But what is undeniable is who Jesus is. We may not understand all the intricacies of the Trinity, but John makes clear the identity of who this gospel is all about. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is creator. Jesus is God. Jesus is life. And Jesus is light. And we learn all of this in the first five verses. We know who Jesus is. So what? Well, the answer to this question is given at the very end of the gospel. Now, Jesus did many other signs of the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, the word translated belief here is more accurately translated trust. Some have even suggested it means allegiance. When Jesus calls his disciples, he was looking for more than just belief. They all could have stayed home and kept fishing if belief was all that Jesus desired. He was looking for followers. He was looking for apprentices who would learn his ways and follow in his footsteps. He was looking for commitment and faithfulness. From just the, the first five verses, we know who Jesus is and we know what he wants to do. The question, so what? This question is for us. Jesus is God. Jesus created us. Jesus is light. Jesus came to give us life. So what are we going to do? You know, we can ignore him. We can pretend like uh, none of this matters. We can distract ourselves with other things. We can run the other direction. Or... We can deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. We can love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We can cherish his words in our hearts and do our best to live by them. We know who God is. So what? We know what leads to life. So what? This is the question that we have to answer every day. The identity of Jesus is not a mystery. The key to an abundant life is not a mystery. John is not hiding anything from us. It's here in all these verses. It's as plain as day. The only question left is what will we do with it? 
Will we waste our lives on, on things that do not matter, or will we, will we dedicate ourselves to Jesus? Will we meditate on his words? Will we desire to be like him? Will we abandon our other allegiances to follow him? We need to know what we're getting ourselves into when we pick up something as powerful as a gospel. And let me tell you, John does not disappoint. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Now that we know, what will we do? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this wonderful poem and meditation on Jesus. Jesus, who is our creator, Jesus, who is life, Jesus, who is light, Jesus, who is God. And we're grateful that he's here today. We're grateful that he is working in our lives. Father, I pray that we would tune our lives to Jesus, that we would desire to be like him with all of our being, that we would sit at his feet, hear his words, and do what we can to become more like him. Father, we're grateful for the gospel of John, which reveals you to us, and that we can open up this book, and that we can read about you, and we can learn about your ways, and that we can love you as you have loved us. Help us be the community that you would want us to be. Help us to be a presence in this town that reflects you so that others can see you in us. We're so thankful for what Jesus did for us on the cross that makes salvation possible. We pray this in his name. Amen. Receive this blessing from the book of Romans. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. If you're here this morning and we can help you in any way, if you have a need, why don't you come now as we stand and as we sing.